This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along the Way. Today's podcast is supported by our friends at the Stoke City Fans from all around the world Facebook group. Uh, and once again, uh, we have uh, finished the weekend with another victory, uh, which feels uh, quite alien. We're, we're not quite kind of used to this constant uh, stream of good luck and good fortune. I'm sure normal service will be resumed this fall- <laughs> this particular weekend. <laughs> Hopefully not, of course, but you never know. You, you say in jest. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so as always... Uh, this week's pod will have a quick review of the Nuts Forest match. We'll look at this week's transfer rumours, have some audio from Stoke and also some Fulham fans as we look ahead to Fulham uh, this weekend. Uh, but firstly, Dan, how are you, mate? You OK? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. How are yourself? Yeah, not bad. Thank you, mate. Busy, uh, busy week working, so it's always nice to be doing this. Oh, yeah, it just uh, gets us out of the reality of life, doesn't it? Breaks that for a little couple of hours. It does, mate. And these matches come around nice and quick. And I think it's nice having midweek matches. I mean, I know, obviously, again, if anyone doesn't know, we record this on a Wednesday. And obviously, we had Doncaster uh, the other night, which we'll very briefly touch on. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's one of them, mate. We've had another good week. Um, and I guess in terms of what I want to do, and I always like to do this each week, I want to thank everyone who's obviously tuned in previously. Uh, you know, we always like to thank you. And again, the kind of continued support that we get uh, is always really appreciated. And if uh, you are listening to this on uh, lots of random uh, platforms, just as a reminder, you can listen to the, the actual podcast weekly on Spotify or your general kind of chosen provider uh, most of the time. And don't forget to follow us on uh, Twitter as well at Every Step Along. Uh, we do a lot of polls and a lot of kind of regular updates during the week. Uh, for example, we had a uh, a comment around Tony Scholes uh, during the week, actually applauding him. <laughs> and um, it, it was largely um, accepted that he deserved a bit of credit. Uh, and I think he does. But uh, that is a hell of a different conversation. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah. before we kind of get into to the whole podcast anyway, uh, Dan, obviously the, the actual cup draw has been made a matter of minutes ago. Uh, we've got Watford uh, away in the cup. What's your thoughts on that one? It's a bit like meh. Really, I, I yeah. feel yeah. It's um, it's a nice test for the lads to go out, you know, go up against a Premier League team. Ironically, I think if it was probably switched the other way and it was the young lads 
playing. It'd be a, a better like, test for them to see you know, how they fare up against the Premier League side. Uh, as it happens, our, we do things backwards at this club, don't we? So our Carabao Cup team is uh, actually the, the older, experienced players. <laughs> uh, you probably know where, the, where they're at in that respect. But if I suppose if there are a couple of the younger lads are still about, you know, like uh, Porter and Norton, they might, you know, might benefit from from you know coming up against the Premier League side. There's a chance for us to progress. It does give us a good chance to, to progress, mate. And you're saying about the older guys, but we don't have many old guys left, do we? Uh, no, no. I just I, in comparison to the, to the, uh, the Saturday side, if you like, the league team. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah, we've got quite a lot of lads in the around the 21, 22 age in there, and obviously, like the the, the cup side seems to be the ones who are at the other end of the twenties, in the early thirties. So yeah, like I say, usually it's the other way around, isn't it? You bring you young lads in for the cup, but uh, I'm I'm glad to see uh, so it's getting a win and another game for them. It's, it's it's all good. The more wins the club can have, everybody's confident, and uh, it just keeps them. Some lads in reserve happy as well if they know they've got games coming up themselves as well, I think. So, yeah. yes, it's all Absolutely, good. mate. I mean, the team against Doncaster was obviously it's a weakened team, of course it is, but it, it was still a decent enough team, um, to be honest. So, yeah, again, as you say, it gives Davis and Co. because, again, Davis is somebody we've got to try and keep happy. Uh, we've always been quite blessed with really good goalkeepers, um, ha- haven't we, here? But uh, again, you know, Davis isn't going to sit on the bench forever. Uh, you know, him and Obviously, Bursic are going to have to be kind of head-to-head this season, and I think Bursic is quite clear the number one right now. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we need to, to give those types of players a run out. So, uh, fingers crossed uh, for Watford away in about three weeks' time. Uh, and just before I kind of go into it as well, um, so I've absolutely over the moon. So, um, I've been uh, put onto the uh, Stoke City Supporters Council. So, I put my uh, my votes forward uh, a couple of weeks ago and was fortunate that, you know, uh, you kind people uh, around the world have uh, have obviously voted me to, to get onto the council. So uh, absolutely over the moon with that. So thank you to everyone who who voted and also friends and family, no doubt, um, as well. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see uh, obviously what kind of things we can kind of do. Uh, the council, there's a lot of people with a lot of good plans in there. Um, I've already been noting down a few for the first meeting in about two weeks time. A couple of ideas that I've got, which I'm not going to go into. Uh, and again, it needs to remain kind of confidential at the minute. So, um, yeah, there's a few ideas uh, that may or may not go forward but a good chance to, to see where things go um so lovely i mean dan just to kind of kick off then the the knots forest kind of uh overview um i mean you were at the game if i'm not mistaken oh, um what did you make out of it mate because i'm obviously i saw the first half and i'd say i saw about three quarters of the second half to be honest but what was your overall thoughts on the game uh i thought we played very well i thought we were I missed actually missed the first fifteen minutes because of uh, a few problems outside the ground. It was uh, yeah, the trying to get somewhere to park was was a nightmare. I don't think I was on my own in missing that either. Um, so yeah, warning for anyone who parks near the ground, uh, you have to book in advance now on any of the, a lot of these car parks around the ground. Um, yes, yeah, so which wow. I didn't realise and fell foul of at the weekend. That's the first <laughs> but, I've heard of it, mate. I, I don't think many people knew that quite clearly. Yeah, so I was just sort of—I was getting a bit worried when I was going towards the car park and saw cars driving the other way. I didn't think at that point that I was maybe going to hit a bit of trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, but when I got there, and she said the the, the girl kind of informed me like, "Yeah, you've got to book in advance." I did say, "Is that going to be for every match?" And she said, "I don't know. It's my first day." <laughs> so I was like, All right, okay." I was like, "Where, where do you where do you book?" She said, "I don't know." <laughs> so I was like, oh, "Okay." Great. 
I'll, uh, I'll have to do some more digging, and I will do, and we will I'll do my best to bring you that on here before our next home game. Uh, and keep your eyes on Twitter, because when I do find out, I'll stick on there as well for everyone, because I do need to know for myself. So, <laughs> uh, But yes, when I got in there, back to the game, I thought we were very good. We seemed to control it really well. Forrest came and probably did look around what Lyle Taylor said when we said his comments about coming for a draw. I think that's exactly how they set up to play. Mm. Um, they, they, they came, they sort of sat back a bit, and, and we had a lot of the ball. It appeared to be anyway, and then we'd... You know, we we were the only. If there was one team that was going to win that game, it was going to be Stoke. They were more than happy to go draw, and even when we scored, they didn't. You know, they didn't still didn't create anything. We were in, in control. We knocked it around the passing at the minute. The, the fluidity and the movement and the crispness of the passing it's just it's lovely. It's just fantastic. It's it's brilliant to just sit and watch it, and you know, and how they're moving and that. It's, it's very. It, you know, I've not seen a Stokes side play like this for a, you know a long time, um, and it, because I know, you know a few years ago when we were Stoke alone and we had it sort of in the yeah. final third, this this starts with the goalkeeper. You know this yeah. is the centre halves as well who we are playing. You know it's everybody, and obviously like the wing backs for me are the ones who are standing out at the minute. Smith and Time and they've got diff- different games. Smith he he sort of sort of trundles up the wing. But he's he's put his the, the balls that he's putting in are fantastic. His his game's not sort of based on pace and taking people on, but he will take every opportunity he can to get get forward, and we are getting the rewards of that. And timing on the other timing's sort of quite happy to receive the ball deeper and just run at people and take people on. And he's starting now, I think, to to worry defenses. And I think they they know all about it. I mean, Forest know all about him anyway, don't they? <laughs> from from a couple yeah. of years ago. But yeah, I think for me at the minute, the standouts. Not that there's anybody you can complain about in the team, but the standouts for me are the foot of the wing backs. I think they're doing a, a fantastic job and a crucial to, to what we you know how we're playing. Yeah, no, mate. I think I think that's a, definitely a fair overview. And I think you sent me a. A screenshot um, today or, or previous days, but uh, I think Timon and Smith are on the are they on the team of the week. Was it you sent me? It was I think. the team. It was um, I think it's whoscored.com's. They like they rate each player gets a rating, don't they? Every every week, and Smith's the highest rated right back, and Timon's the highest rated left back in the league so far this season. Wow, can't say we've had that many times, can you? But. Um, and who would have predicted that three weeks ago? That's you know no, before the season kicked off. Absolutely not, mate. And I mean, to be honest, I mean, I, I say I did see the majority of the match. Um, and uh, you know, I'd say that I didn't think the first half was as as smooth sailing as we've had in previous weeks. It certainly wasn't bad by any stretch, but um, I thought it was a, a tricky kind of first half. I think we struggled to make much headway personally. But uh, again, second half, I thought we really kind of ramped it up. The goal. <sighs> There, there isn't. I mean, again, the whole world noticed that goal. I mean, it's been shown on Sky Sports several times. It's been mentioned on every kind of Twitter football page you can possibly imagine. Um, it was a thing of absolute beauty, and they're already talking about it being a, a goal of the season contender, and it, it absolutely must be. Every single player, was it Bar uh, Wilmot, had a had a hand in that goal. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah, mean, obviously Brown didn't touch it, but it was this, he sort of like run and he dummied it. Yeah, he was still um, essential in that play. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because the, the, where these where the clip seems to be cut from, the ball sort of going to Bursic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering whether did I mean 
did even Wilmot have something to play before that? Before you know, as he played it to Sutar, played it to Bursic. It, it could be that all eleven players have touched the ball. You know, if you rewind it back even further, which yeah. But even even so, ten you know ten players have played a part in that, and it's the forward thinking. You know when when they've got it. You know, obviously Bursic plays it forward. The defense, you know, a couple of passes between them, and then it's you know it's into Allen. He straight away looking forward gives it to Klukas. He lets it run. You know, gives it to Smith. It, it's forward thinking, and yeah. that's it's such a change from what we were doing six months ago. But doesn't it kind of go to show, mate, that this extra bit of quality that we've got in these areas, we're playing the formation the manager wants to play. He's been banging on about playing the ball out from the back, which, you know, I think few people have been nervous about because at times we've kind of kept, you know, it's a bit close uh, once or twice. But, you know, he understands that sometimes it's going to go wrong. But quite clearly, when the times it goes right, it goes really right. Yeah, definitely. And do you know where it is as well? The midfield... The midfield are comfortable, like stepping out and going and, and sort of like when Alan had that ball there, he Klukas had already gone and Vrancic had gone during the they were they were you know 20, 30 yards in front of him, yeah. trusting the back line to do the job if they need if they were called upon. And I'm not I, because I think they they're quite comfortable as well, knowing that any three of them central halves are happy to step forward into midfield. And plug a gap. Say if the ball, yeah, if the ball is won by the opposition, they don't mind stepping ten yards in to try and challenge to win it. Yes. Whereas yeah. I think if you look back, like say to last season, I'm not sure the midfield had the confidence and the defence to do that, and I think that's why it was so the play was so broken up. Yeah, well, last mate, this time last season, I mean, it's any season since we got relegated, those games are the games that we drew. Um, or potentially maybe lost on on a breakaway or something. But this is the difference now, and this is what's going to, if we're going to break into the top six, or who knows, maybe even higher, you just don't know. Um, If we're going to do that, these little fine margins is what's going to get us there. Because we all said last season, I know we kind of faded away in the end, but... Um, you know, strictly speaking, we were in the running the majority of the season, which shows just how poor a division it actually is, to be honest. So these things for me are going to make the difference between playoffs and top ten. Um, and may, I, I definitely echo what you're saying about time and again running the show. I, I've I've never been so impressed from where a player was to where they are now. And I know it's a long, hard season. He's still got Doughty you know, to banging on his door, and he was good against Doncaster. Um, so. That left-hand side is done and dusted. And then you got Fox, who is going to be number three. And not a bad number three to have either. So, um, the future's bright, mate. Let's just put it that way. And like you pointed out, they're all very young players. I mean, I don't think we're going to be able to keep Ostergaard. I think we all know that. But still, if we can get 12, 18 months maybe out of him, um, then happy days. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we get, say if we get promoted this season, you know, thinking this is a long way ahead down the line, Brighton may well turn to us and say, you know what, you can get you, we'll let him cut his Premier League teeth with you and then come back to us in 12 months after that. By which time, you know, two years down the line, you don't know what's going to, what football looks like, do you? But obviously that is looking far and far ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, hey, positivity, we love it, mate. Keep it coming. But yeah, like I say, 
what I what I'm thinking as well is these young this young side, especially like the defence, the goalkeeper. You think how good they are now, and I've seen some people saying that this is you know a lot of the players available now are players who were were there last season, and you know still not quite giving O'Neill the credit for how we're playing now, saying that you know the way we played last season was dour and it was his fault and that. I can't get on board with that because. No. There's so many young players in this style, and you can't say that those young players were ready 12 months ago. No, they definitely weren't. No, and then you've also got people like you know Brown. Brown's a different player now than he was 12 months ago. He's a different. He's a different beast. Look at the, <laughs> look at him. Oh, he's, yeah. he, he, he's a lot stronger. He's a lot more. He's a lot more physical because he's been. You know, he's he's got the experience of last year, and he's got away in the summer and worked on what he's realised in his game needed improving. And so I think, you know, for those people out there that you do see commenting and saying that Michael O'Neill, you know, is is at fault for last season still, and, you know, this proves it. I I, I can't see that myself. I really can't. I know know who you're referring to there, mate, because I've seen those those Twitter comments and we're never people to call anybody out. But, you know, yeah, absolutely not. People just need to give him credit, he's obviously worked hard on the training pitch, the players have all worked hard, they're all working for each other, we've got rid of, let's be honest, potentially you know, 10, 15 bad eggs, people who didn't want to be here, had no interest in playing for us, wouldn't fight, you don't know what frictions they're causing in the dressing room, what they are or aren't doing on a training pitch, all stuff that he's got to contend with, as you said, while having Tyrese out for half the season, he's his main go-to striker, um, injuries, suspensions, no fans in the ground. Take your pick. You know, there's so Financial many. Financial um, fair play. FFP, as well. You know, you've just got, I think most people understood. And let's not hop too much on about people's negative comments. But, you know, they've got to just give him a bit of time. And we're seeing the fruits of that already. And we've still got, you know, what? by the time people are listening to this, we still have four days of the window left. So um, there's potential for, for more players to come in. But, I mean, in terms of kind of, Anything else from from kind of the the Notts Forest game before we kind of move on to some uh, stats and bits like that, Dan? Um, any other players kind of stood out for you against Forest? Yeah, I mean, I think Joe Allen had a great game. It linked the play well, especially with Sam Clucas. They seem to you know working well. They played well, played together for a long time now. Vrancic going back into the side, you know, just his weight of pass and his vision is just so refreshing. It adds so much to the play, and it's it's a beautiful player to to watch. Um, but for me, the one I'd like to call out, I think he's a bit of an unsung hero. Even going back to when we signed him, I know a few people were underwhelmed, but I was quite excited when we did sign him. And uh, Stephen Fletcher. Now, I think he's like I said, I think he's underrated. And if you watch him, you know he's got all the flicks and he just does the subtle, like I say, just a subtle little flick into someone's direction, or he'll do a back heel. He's got the flair that just knits everything together in the final third and just takes defenders out of the game. And now he's got like-minded people around him, like Powell, even though I know he didn't play at the weekend, uh, Vrancic, and, and we've got you know people who are willing to run us out wide. You saw time and take advantage of that situation last Saturday. It's stuff like that, little flicks and tricks and that, that it's going to be so vital to how we play. And he's going to create so many chances for others because he's got people now who will be running into space. 
he'll put the ball on the space and somebody will be arriving there. And we yeah. saw that on Saturday. And I do think he doesn't get as anywhere near as much praise as he should do. And just think when Tyrese comes back, mate. I mean, I was speaking to my mate Ian um, earlier on, and he was on about, you know, Tyrese coming back and Fletcher as well. Similar comments to, to you in a way, but um, we saw how well Fletcher and, and Tyrese did together, and that could very well be, obviously, eventually when Tyrese is fit, that could be the permanent kind of fixture again. Him and, obviously, Surridge, of course, switching and changing. But, um, again, mate, it just shows the creativity and the understanding. And that's where years of experience come in, mate. So, I think we all, we've, you know, we talked about this last week, about how strong we are up front. Um, and uh, it's just great to have those options. We've not had it for a long, long time. So, yeah, Fletch, good person to call out, mate. Um, he's not quite hit the goal-scoring train just yet, but uh, still very, very early days. Um, his Again, I'll, to be honest, mate, I'll take a striker who doesn't score any goals but sets up other goals for everyone else. That'll do for me. I'm sure right. I'm sure Martin O'Neill will, will as well. Yeah, we, 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 all, we all loved Mama Sidibe, didn't we? Yeah, um, yeah, good old Mama. Wow. Yeah, I, I must admit, I loved Mama. We scored the two goals against Bristol. I think he only scored two all season, and then he scores two against Bristol to actually get the crucial goals, and he yeah. still delivered. You loved Mama. You always put 110% in. The second one from the halfway line. If that had been Ricardo Fuller running from the halfway line, the crowd would have been up. They'd have been cheering. <laughs> they'd have been excited. Go on, go on. It was mum, you could have heard a pin drop. For you, you had to run 50 <laughs> yards in a silent stadium with everybody going, holding the breath. So true. And he somehow put it underneath the goalkeeper. He could have lifted it or anything. Yeah. Nope, puts it through the goalkeeper, goalkeeper's arms. Probably was a bit more fortune than, than placement and fairness to mum. Oh, he deserved um, that fortune, though. He did, mate. He did. Um, and that back header was crazy. Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, just in terms of the kind of game stats, just to kind of finish off with uh, Forrest. So um, I think we were quite dominant overall against Forrest, mate. But what kind of stats did we have from the game? I know you've got them there. Well, they didn't even have a shot on target. Nice. Uh, was, we, we, yeah, we had five shots on target. Uh, they didn't have one. Overall, there was 11 shots to two in Stokes' favour. Uh, we managed to block one, and they had one off target. Fifty-nine percent possession to, for Stoke. Uh, obviously, forty-one for Forest. Uh, we had six corners to their two. Uh, we didn't get any. We, we never caught offside, whereas we might our backline managed to catch them offside three times. And there was two yellow cards apiece. But big chances. We had two, and again, obviously they had zero. So yes, it was a very seems the stats don't lie on this occasion. Completely dominant, yeah, yeah. absolutely, mate. And I mean, again, I think that's the, the story of of all our matches. I think I, I'd have to have a look back, but I would say we probably had more shots than anybody else um, entirely this season so far. Um, like I say, Fulham, we'll we'll see where we are after the Fulham game, of course. But um, and I think you know our kind of poll results as well. I mean, obviously, we as anyone knows who's, who's listened in the last few weeks, we always like to do obviously poll results uh, for kind of man of the match, and we put some uh, some poll options out there, mate. Uh, so if you want to let us know what the options were and who won, I think we're going to know who it is to be honest. But yeah, so the the question was, who's your man of the match for Stoke versus Nottingham Forest? The options we went with the four were Josh Tymon. Jacob Brown, Smith, and Joe Allen. Now, Smith got 3% of the votes. Joe Allen got 10%. Jacob Brown got 12 which means with 76% of the vote, Josh Tymon was an overwhelming winner, a much-deserved winner on this occasion as well. Absolutely. He got man of the match from the actual whoever sponsored the match as well, didn't he? Didn't he? Yes, he did. 
Yeah. Um, and like I said, we will be bringing in as well, keeping track of all these man of the match uh, polls and awarding the players points for when they get them. Um, so that's going to contribute again towards our player of the season and towards the end of the season. So we'll get those, we'll get the uh, standings on that updated and and put them out. We haven't we haven't put them out yet because obviously it's early doors, first uh, th- two, three, four games. Um, we're after Fulham, we'll give everyone an update as to where the how those uh, tables are looking. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. It's definitely good to see and see who who wins over the course of a season. It'd be interesting if it's if it doesn't turn out to be a striker. Very interesting yeah. if that happens. It could very yeah. well happen. Well, tell you what, it, it's um, it's it's sort of a pet hate of mine. Um, is that obviously when you have these player of the season awards, it's like if you play well sort of February to April, you you you're in the running. Whereas you can play well between August and January, and then sort of tail off a bit, and then you don't you wouldn't get noticed. So it's sort of like a player of the last couple of months award rather than a player of the season. Whereas yeah. obviously I think if we sort of what I'm sort of aiming, what we're aiming to do here is like look through the whole season, aren't we? When we come to do ours, look yeah, look back from right from game one. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And um, like I say, I've got a feeling it isn't going to be a striker. So let's see, let's see where we are in uh, well May time, whatever it is. So um, and else, just before we kind of close up on the, the kind of previews and look ahead, obviously to to Fulham and transfers and stuff like that. So obviously a quick word on the Doncaster game, mate. I think it would be silly not to at least kind of cover it off a little bit um so i was in leeds uh just basically with work so i didn't actually get a chance to to watch it um however i was quite keen to get your thoughts on um how Sawyer's got on because again I'd, I'd listened to bits on the radio he sounded a little bit off the pace like porter sounded like he was a bit out of sorts um what was your overall thoughts mate? any particular standout surprises or anything like that um yeah i think it was nice to see Porter and Norton get some get some game time again. Porter again seemed to be seemed to sort of he was better than he was in the, in the last round. When he did seem to grow into the game, and then I think he sort of got tired tired off towards the end um, before he was subbed. Same with Norton, really. He was sort of lively in that. I know there was a they should have had a penalty at one point. I think uh, I know he did. There was a sort of six or one after the other in, in his shirt, sort of pulling. He was pulling as well. But uh, yeah, I think it, you wouldn't think the, def- the defender would have had no uh, complaints, should I say, if Christian Norton had got a penalty for that. Right. But to me, the, the standout thing was Alfie Doughty, and like I think you mentioned him earlier on, he was Josh Time, and and said that he had, you know, he, he uh, would be pushing Time into that left wing back spot. And I think yeah, I think there's going to be good competition there. And I, from Doughty's performance on Tuesday. He's well up for that fight for that position. You know, there was no sort because obviously he's coming from Charlton, and there was a bit of a fanfare about him, wasn't he? About how, how rapid yeah. he was and quickest player in the league and all that. And I know he, then he got his injury, and he's come back and there, there's no sort of sulking from him or nothing like that. He's he, you know he's up for the fight, and I think his performance has shown that. He's sent Josh Tarman yet? Okay. Yeah, you've got man of the match on Saturday. You, the other match winner then, but your place isn't secure, mate, because, you know, I'm coming for it. And it's, it's, I think that's only going to improve both of them because they're both going to have to keep raising the level to keep the other one out. Yeah, it'd be interesting because, I mean, do you think Porter and, and Norton, do you think they need a bit of a loan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, we'll get, we'll get on to, I think we get onto the transfers, don't we, later on? But yeah, I would. Yeah. I'd definitely. Um, be looking to get them the club. I know Porter's just coming back from a broken leg into 
Um, mm. So maybe the club were just looking to see, you know, maybe there was a bit of rehab that they wanted to just finish off with that um, over the, you know, the last couple of weeks. And obviously, I suppose, you know, if, if Michael O'Neill's get, got to see him in two games now, Ante as well, so he's probably, you know, he's, he's benefited from seeing first hand and, you know, how he can follow his own instructions that he's given before he takes, you know, I imagine we'll probably see him out on loan over the next seven days or so, well, six days until it's left. I mean, what what about Ince? I mean, I've got, people were giving him pretty decent reviews, to be honest. Yeah, well, with Tom Ince, obviously he scored the goal, and it's interesting that the position he's, he's been and found himself in to score that goal with the position that he was playing on the night, do you know what I mean, to, to be that far forward. I th- I trust Michael O'Neill on this one. If he brings him back into the fold, I trust Michael O'Neill to to look at Tom Ince and say, you know, you know exactly what I want and how you need to behave and what attitude you need to give to be a part of my squad. Mm-hmm. And if he's happy that Tom Ince is 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 there and, and knows what you know what values, what morals what effort, what commitment is needed, then I trust that. However, the flip side of that is if he decides that he doesn't and we see, you know, he's just been putting him in the shop window and maybe they've even had that conversation, the better you play here, Tom, the more chance you've got of getting yourself a decent move. And we see him leave before the transfer deadline. I don't think any tears are going to be shed either. No. Uh, obviously, not. yeah. So if he does come in, you get my full support when he, you know, he pulls the strip on, and I trust Michael O'Neill to have sort of done his due diligence on him, and whether he wants him to be part of the squad. But if he leaves, yeah, so be it. Okay, lovely, lovely. Thanks, for that mate. I say it's. Uh, I know there was a lot of people who, who couldn't get to the match. I think the crowd was only a few thousand, wasn't it? So it's nice to to get that kind of overview. Um, and I think just to uh, close out uh, this particular section, so uh, Bren uh, sent us in uh, some audio as well. So uh, Bren is one of the, uh, the kind of lead admins uh, from the Stoke fans uh, all around the world kind of Facebook group. Um, and I think, you know, wanted to get involved and give his opinion. I mean, just to kind of explain what that is to, to anyone who obviously is wondering who, who that is in the kind of Facebook group. So uh, obviously we, we've been in the Facebook group uh, only a short period of time, but there's, there's around 9,000 Stoke fans in that particular group. Um, and obviously this podcast is very much about sharing our thoughts, feelings, getting people's kind of views. And we think that, you know, you know being able to, uh, to get obviously involved with those individuals and get everyone listening to, and hopefully people are listening to us, um, then, you know, I think, it, I think it's a great uh, kind of community and Stoke is a community. So, um, you know, Bren centers in his, uh, his thoughts on, you know, the signings, the youth players, um, kind of outgoings and kind of obviously the team fl- fluency he covers quite a lot in this audio. Uh, so uh, let's take a uh, listen to see uh, what Bren had to say. Hi, this is Bren, lead admin from Stoke City FC fans from all around the world. Talking about the uh, signings, I think they're really, really good. I like the fact that they're young and they're hungry, but they've got ability. Yeah, we've had to get rid of quite a lot of players, but that was needed from when we come down from the Premier League. There has been some shock signings, which we didn't expect. What I say, though, is when we're watching the team week in and week out, the the passing is immense. I don't know what they've been doing, but Josh Timon... He's, he's like a brand new player. He went out on loan and come back. We now see what Hull said they thought he was going to be like. 
if he carries on like this, he's going to be one of the players of the season. You could, you can't fault his attributes. And then you've got Brown. Brown, last season, he was being knocked off the ball quite a lot. Whatever he's done in pre-season, he's stocked up in his size and he's quicker and he's not being knocked off the ball. I can see great things for Stoke City. We've even got Campbell to come back. And I spoke to Campbell recently and he's really, 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 really excited. He can't wait to get back into the team. I just think if we carry on like this, we can be real, real force for promotion. Not saying we're going to go up automatic, but what I'm saying is we could be in the top six. If we we just got to concentrate, try not get as many injuries like we did last year, and Stoke City could be a force to be reckoned with. You guys keep listening to this podcast. And thanks for listening. Well, yeah, cheers, Brem. Much appreciate the uh, the overview, mate. You covered quite a lot. I totally agree with you on the the team fluency. I mean, we we look amazing, as as Dan's already kind of said, and uh, be interesting to to see who else kind of comes in and uh, and goes out over the coming days. And speaking of transfers, uh, so we've got a, a number of kind of things happening at the club, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, Dan, I mean, in terms of the main one, I think you know, Sawyer's from. Uh, obviously, kind of uh, West Brom uh, has finally landed after about weeks and weeks of silence. So, uh, yeah, we've seen him make a cameo against Knox Forest. Obviously, looked quite short on the ball for me. Come on versus Doncaster, didn't look so comfortable from bits that I've heard. But Dan, what, what do you, what do you think about the whole Sawyer's transfer, mate? Are you are you pro Sawyer's or? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think I'm pro Sawyer's. Um, he, he he seems to have. That like sort of again that turn and that keeping that the the move going. Do you know what I mean? He'll get the ball and he's looking forward. He's you know, he's got like a, a trick in him or a, a play to just open himself a bit of space, and he keeps the ball moving. And how we're playing now, he will once he's once he's fully firing. I have a feeling he's going to be a vital vital cog in that side. Um, yeah, I think West Brom have maybe tried to change the way he plays, and that's why he's sort of got maybe mixed reviews from from Baggy's fans. Uh, but if you speak to any sort of Brentford fan, they'll tell you just how good he is. And I mean, I've, we've all seen the footage. We've watched him for you. Well, we've chased him for years, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, was it Gary Rowett tried signing, Nathan Jones tried signing, um, finally, like I say, Michael O'Neill's got that deal done. Um, but yeah, wonder why he didn't want to sign. <laughs> yeah. and now and I wonder why now he does mm. Mm. But, uh, it's yeah, not so money then, I don't think anymore <laughs> no I think we're but yeah well, after, I mean, last week we said it had all gone quiet on Remain so it's not like and by the time <laughs> our podcast come out he was there with his shirt um, yeah it's so, yeah. yeah but uh, we did also say though that it could well be done on the hush hush quiet didn't we we did say yeah. that so we we called that a bit right. <laughs> so I loved how we basically backed both horses there, didn't we? It was a two horse race, and we backed both of them. So uh, you know we we could we could keep what was in the recording if it, if it worked in our favour and get rid of the other one. So I thought we played that really well. We should do that for every single section of this podcast. Just have two different opinions, and then we're always happy, and um, we're always correct. Um, so yeah, mate, absolutely. I mean, again, I've seen snippets of him. Uh, but he's going to be a little bit off the pace at times. Uh, you know that is going to happen. But it'd be interesting when he is up and firing, if he manages to get someone out out this particular kind of current first eleven. It'd be very interesting to see who he could replace. I mean, again, that's a that's a, a big debate. Um, 
And I know that uh, obviously we've got some uh, some actually audio that's been sent through to us, haven't we, Dan? About I think it was Louis from the, the Baggies podcast has given his thoughts on Soyuz and obviously importantly, I know what we generally should expect from him this season. And um, I think it'd be interesting to see what he said. There's uh, there's a few things in there which I didn't know much about, to be honest. So uh, yeah, let's have let's have a listen and, and see what he had to say. Hi guys, Louis here from the Baggies podcast. A massive thank you for inviting me on to the Every Step Along the Way podcast to talk about our current player, Romain Sawyers, and of course your new loan signing for the remainder of the season. He's a bit of a tricky one to describe to you, Romain Sawyers. Of course, he's he's had a bit of a difficult spell in his second spell at the club. Obviously, came through the academy and then actually rejoining uh, after a spell at Brentford. Obviously, left the academy to join Warsaw, then went to Brentford and then came to us again at the start of Slavin Bilic's reign. In the championship under Slavin Bilic, he was incredibly good, I thought. Um, very good playing and distributing the ball from quite deep positions, almost bringing the ball off the centre back's toes and and trying to trying to get the ball moving again and trying to help us to retain possession. However, I think the Premier League proved a really difficult task for Romain Sawyer. He was asked to play a very deep role in which uh, normally in a struggling side in the league would be a ball winning midfielder, and Romain Sawyer is not that. Uh, he's had some particularly shambolic moments, obviously. The own goal against Leeds is the one that really comes to mind where he quite literally fed the ball from uh, about uh, the middle third of the pitch back to the goalkeeper and went in the net. So that's one that sticks in the mind for me. But he has had some very good moments, especially in that championship season. However, the Premier League, I think, proved a bridge too far. I'll always maintain that if Romain Soyuz is played in a more advanced role, he can progress the ball forward well. But when he's asked to play as a holding midfielder, he just isn't suited to that. Obviously, I know that Stoke, uh, you guys have got a bit of a void, uh, perhaps in your defensive midfield department. I don't think Romain Soyuz is going to be your answer to that particular aspect unless you're deciding to play a style of football where you've got other ball winners around him. Because quite frankly, he's not a ball winner. He's a ball player and a ball distributor. And I think he'll do a fantastic job for you if you play him as that. I've always maintained that he'll be a fantastic advanced midfielder, playing the ball forward, getting in and creating those half spaces in the opposition third. But it depends how you guys play him. I do believe you've got a very good signing. I just don't think he fits Valerian Ishmael's system of being very high energy, very high pressing. I don't think he's quite got the ability and and the uh, awareness for that sort of style of play. However, I do believe that you've got a very good midfielder on, on your hands. You've got a very good passer of the ball. And I believe he got uh, quite quite a good reader of the game as well in in Romain Sawyer's. However, he's just not suited for that defensive midfield position. So we're playing Romain Sawyer's in that role. If he plays a bit more advanced, you've got a fantastic signing on your hands. And of course, uh, looking forward to seeing how he gets on at Stoke because uh, obviously we wish him all the best as a homegrown West Bromwich Albion-born lad. And hopefully he does well for you guys on his loan spell. Well, thank you, Lewis, from the Baggies podcast there. Really helpful little insight there for any, any of our fans yet to, to see uh, Romain Sawyer's in action. Moving on transfer-wise, I think we still need a right wing-back, personally. I, I, to be honest, I think links have been quite few and far between for any players, haven't they, in the last Very. few days. But we have got one on trial, haven't we, Mike? Yeah, um, Dehaney. So I'm not going to try and pronounce his first name. I'll make myself look an absolute fool. Um, so yeah, Dehaney. Uh, so I must admit, I was I was doing a bit of research on him because I'm sure, like most people, they probably barely ever even heard of him. Um, so he's had a couple of games with the under 23s. I think we beat Norwich. I think it was in the week one uh, nil or the other week anyway. I'm um, still training with the club uh, now. I think 
it seems that we may be keeping him in line just in case we can't get another player over the line before the end of the window. Um, and the reason I'm kind of thinking that, so his background, and I don't want to be too harsh on the guy, but his, harsh, his background is very uninspiring, shall we say. So he starts well. You know, he's a Manchester City youth player. He was there with like since he was like five years old. Went to Huddersfield on a free transfer. Um, and uh, funny enough, actually, replacing Tommy Smith, who was out at the time uh, for Huddersfield. That's quite quite <laughs> amusing. Um, but then from there, he went on loan to Boston United, played seven games, and then was recalled for lack of playing time. And then since then, he's been released by Huddersfield. So, yeah, for me, mate, it feels like a very, very underwhelming player or signing. And this is judging a player before he's even played for us, but you can only go off historically what his background. But I think we've discussed this privately that... He can't be any more than a backup option in case we have no one else to cover right back, um, which maybe we'll just have him a six or 12 month contract. But I don't know if you know any more about him than that, mate, because I certainly didn't. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it an inspiring signing. And that's I'm hopefully not too harsh on him. Yeah, I mean, where does that I suppose where does that leave, say, Lewis Bakari and and, uh, you know, the, the under 23s right backs there? I mean, if if, if somebody is like, say, not sort of got the, the proven pedigree there, but he's being brought in. Because we have seen youngsters being given a chance. Uh, but I've say Kieran Coates, uh, Luce McCarry, they're the sort of the right backs in the 23 system, but they don't seem to be trusted on this occasion. Maybe mm. Michael O'Neill just doesn't think they're quite ready for it yet. Must be, but I, I, I don't know, Matt. I think if you're asking a Stoke fan, uh, with, with that background there, you'd probably want to give some of the youth players at least. At least a chance. Yeah, you know, I'm sure the play. You know, they're probably training with the first team anyway. You'd expect. I think it would be absolutely ridiculous not to get them training with them to see what what they are capable of. But yeah, like you said, mate, Sawyer's was silent transfer in the end. Um, so maybe they are working on several things. I think O'Neill said um, just today actually, and I think with the Sentinel that they're working on one or two things, which absolutely one's going to be a right wing back, hundred um, percent. I, I don't know where else he might be looking. Maybe again, where they go defensive well, midfield think, still. Yeah, I mean, I think our, you know, the, the, the side that we put out in that Carabao Cup game sort of proves that we don't need much, do we? <laughs> because if that was a full, you know, 11 changes, and I think that side had competed in the Championship, to be honest, and that's you, you got a backup there. I mean, it's just obviously the system and the way we played in change. So, you know, you've got 11 players, them 11 players there. I don't, there aren't many that you'd question sort of switching and coming into the, into the first 11 if they were needed to. No. And obviously then you don't really want more than two people for any position, do you? you know, we're not in, you know, we're not Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely yeah. not me. So he's, he's probably, he's probably put all his efforts into a right wing back. I think that's probably what it is. And anything yeah. else we can certainly get by until January. I think that's probably going to be the plan. Yeah, I think um, the, the striker... They would have taken Liam Delap if he was available, but I think that's only because he seems to be an exceptional talent. And obviously, he's not, you don't turn, especially strikers, if you have the opportunity, you don't turn them down, do you? If you can get one through. I don't think they're going to actively be seeking another striker. No, definitely not. I mean, we're, we're, if we had Delap as well, which obviously we all know is not going to happen now, but um, for me, we, we would have just been too 
you know top heavy uh, in the strike force, which is it's a crazy yeah, situation to be in considering we're always screaming out for players. And yeah, like you said, the lap would have been one of the first names on the team sheet, but um, that would have left Tyrese and Fletch and Surridge and Brown. And that, that's just too many strikers for me uh, fighting for their own positions. You can't keep all those people happy. So I don't think it's a bad thing. He might stay with Man City for maybe the next three or four months and they'll decide just get him out on loan. So maybe it's a January transfer. If we do need some goals and those players aren't firing, maybe it's an option then. Um, but yeah. then I guess Tyrese might be back by then. So, yeah, as you say, mate, let's probably put that one to bed. I don't think anyone's gained him for now. Um, I think uh, I think I'm going to pick your brains now on some sales. So, yeah, I'm going to give you some names and you can tell me whether you think they're going or yeah. not. So, Tom whether they are going or whether I want them to go. Well, you, you could you could say both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. Tom, in, Tom, in, first of all, he'll be gone. Going definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's been out too long, and he's been in the wilderness for too long. If somebody comes in for him, he'll go. Okay, so how about one of Danny Bart, James Chester, or Morgan Fox? If I had to. Fox would go just because we've got plenty of cover there, and I think I think Fox might not be happy to play three. The others, no, I still think. I mean, Chester. I'm not a massive fan of Chester, but he's still a he's still okay. Um, so no, I'd keep the others. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking there. Do you do you think there will possibly be a bit of movement there? I was thinking six centre halves. I know we, even though we're playing three of them, if you're the sixth three centre half, that you know once these cup games stop you, you're not going to be doing very much and those three the three in reserve are all to stage in the career where they might just be thinking you know what I want to be playing games here because you know, well in that case mate Chester's gone if that if that's if that's the situation Chester's number six yeah I don't think many people disagree with that hopefully Okay, uh, and I can't see personally. I, I can't see any others that we're going to be selling. I think we've we've done enough selling this summer. <laughs> I mean, say how many have been at the door? Seventeen, eighteen, maybe yeah, even I, more. I think it's yeah. I think it's now approaching getting up towards twenty, isn't it? So you know, we've we've done a remarkable job, and trans the, the end of this transfer window is, is going to be very quiet. I think. <laughs> I mean, we're looking for like a right wing, we seem to have done. It's not like Stoke, is it? First, we've got all the sexy no. football. We've done all our transfers early, ins and outs. <laughs> well, one player, you know, we haven't mentioned because he, I think most people have forgot even plays for us. Tash and Oakley Booth, I can see him what? going on loan, I, at least. I was just going to then come to the loans. Ah, I'm sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> no, it's OK. Um, so, there, so we've had the sales. These are the players, I think... Well, worth especially worth discussions for getting out on loan. So I think Adam Porter needs a loan, as we've yep. already discussed, and Christian Norton. And then there's Eddie Jones as well, the left back for the under 23s. Now he's just been called up with Norton for the Wales under 21 games, uh, which I think not his first call, but he's, he's going to be playing in this transfer window, in this international window coming up. I think it's time that he maybe got a, a you know, I'm not saying what level, but I think. He, you know, he'll benefit from getting out and getting some you know, regular professional game time. Yeah. I think Will Forrester, when he comes back you know, for, from his injury, if they can get him out on loan now, you know, and then maybe just 
you know, get, get him. I don't know how close to fitness he is. But obviously, he had a great game at the end of last season, didn't he? You know, he scored his goal, but he was played really well in his defensive work as well. Yeah. But he's not going to be getting many minutes, I wouldn't have thought, you know, with all the centre-halves we've got in front of him now. Why not get him out on loan and get him some experience? Even if even if we say to somebody, you know, do you want to take him on as a loan? You know, we'll finish his rehab. He's not going to cost you anything. And we'll say, you know, he's yours when he's when he's fully fit. And then we've got, obviously, Macari, I mentioned as well, and, and mm-hmm. Coates. I think, again, it's not looking like they're, they're part of the first team plans. They might depend on whether we get a right wing back. And and then you've got Wright Phillips as well. He's playing really well say. for the 23s. You know, is it... It's interesting. Do, do you think... It's weird, isn't it? Because obviously you can't let all of your talent go from your under-23s at all. You can't let every single one go. Yeah. Um, but if, if someone like Wright Phillips, I mean, I know everyone was absolutely raving about him. And I think if we had more coverage of the under-23 games, I think a more wider span of Stoke supporters, you know, UK and abroad, will be able to see these players and see just how capable they are. Because I think there's a lot of people, mate, and I'm, I'm sure you may or well, you may disagree, uh, but I think there's a lot of people who jump on the bandwagon of, oh, yeah, get in him and him and in. And no, half of them have never even been seen in a Stoke shirt. So, <laughs> well, yeah, it was funny know. because when I was putting that list together earlier, I did actually think that, well, I thought, you can't, you can't let them all go alone. And I thought, then, well, it's 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 that catch twenty two situation, right? We last year our under twenty threes won was it seven eight games in a row, mm. and that sort of threw a lot of them into the spotlight, and people were starting to talk about them because they were getting all these wins. So did they benefit from staying together and playing under twenty three football and winning games, or would they have benefited more? in the long run, from going out on loan somewhere, grafting in the professional games, getting the kicks, the hard knocks, learning yeah. the experience in front of a, a, you know, a, a crowd, a baying crowd, if you like, and coming back to us. But then, you know, for, I think from a fan's point of view, they then become, they come back to you as like, you know, you've got less knowledge of them, haven't you? They're more of yeah. an unknown. But for Michael O'Neill, I don't think he'd listen I don't think managers, any managers, listen to what fans want in that respect. Do they? they don't play youth no. players because the fans tell you, "Oh, he plays well." <laughs> you know, you should give no. him a go. And obviously, Tyrese Campbell. That's he was noticed from the under twenty threes from scoring a stupid amount of goals. Yeah. Um. So it shows, like I said, mate, they they can come through. So maybe there just isn't one particular route, like like he said. So yeah. And then to flip that, Tyrese then went to Shrewsbury for six months. Didn't yeah. He? Exactly. So it's like. Yeah, he did, he did a bit of both. He didn't get noticed at Shrewsbury, though, did he? I think he was already noticed. Um, so, yeah, it's, it'd be interesting, mate. I don't think there'd be a lot of people players going out, but I think we've definitely uh, probably covered the, the more more likely ones. Yeah, um, I think there's one there's one more that just one. Sorry, just to, just no, to come okay. back in there, Mike. Do you think there's the possibility of a goalkeeper going out on loan? Not from the first three, no. I don't think no, you don't. You don't think that if Joe Basic and Adam Davis are obviously one and two, Jack Bonham's going to say, "Well, what can I go play somewhere?" <laughs> I don't. I <laughs> don't think so, mate. No, no. I, d- I don't think so. He'll play under twenty three football uh, for sure. Um, I think he's he's come in knowing he's an on. Un- he is a third choice keeper, and even if he's not been told that. 
if he uses his head, he knows he's a third place keeper, and he's he's already accepted that. You know, he's probably got a pay increase from coming to Stoke. He's got a potential chance that he might be thinking, well, Luke Bursick or whoever Davis at that point will be number one. They'll no, they'll be number two, and maybe one of them will leave, and that'll push me up the the ladder. He might be thinking more long term. Uh, like he, that, he might right? have been looking at all the injuries that we had last year and the goalkeeper. Yeah, thinking, we're playing by the end of September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's bits like that, but he's just going to do a league grant. I think he'll be happy just to sit at number three um, and then maybe get his maybe get his chance at some point. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, mate, if we don't see him in a, in a first team Stoke shirt more than ten times before he leaves the club. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. cool. Uh, well, I think we've done uh, obviously covered those elements. So let's look at head to so obviously Fulham um, kind of this weekend. So wow, there's there's a lot of different ways we can go with this. I mean, me personally, let's let's kick off with the head to head. I think so. Um, it couldn't be any more even. So I've looked at the last 17 fixtures between uh, Stoke and Fulham. And that's home and away, um, and it's as I say, it's as even as you can get. So both teams have won eight each, and uh, we've drew one. So um, not 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 a bad uh, record there. Uh, our form this season's obviously been identical to Fulham, but Fulham have obviously got three more goals than than us. Hence the fact that they're top of the league by a uh, three goal difference. Uh, last season we lost one nil, despite having the better shots and attacking threat. So um, what, what I found kind of most interesting looking at the team, only two players from that match day squad are likely to face them again this weekend. Um, you know, there's maybe three because um, Klukas might come in, but um, other than that, two or three out of, out of the first team eleven, and that's no, that's not. Apologies, that's not the first team eleven. That's the entire starting and bench. So out of seventeen, eighteen players, only two to three are actually going to be on that on that pitch at the weekend. I thought that was quite interesting. I didn't realise how much of a turnaround it's been. Well, we all know it's been a turnaround, but I didn't expect that from a first team element. So, um, yeah, certainly interesting kind of head-to-head stats. Um, I, I mean, again, Dan, just to get your thoughts on, on Fulham, mate, I mean, it's probably going to be, in my opinion, the hardest fixture of the season. I'm sure probably Fulham would, would probably agree with that on their side. So, although we kind of go into it full of confidence, I mean, how do you kind of see it panning out, mate? Do you think we're going to stick to the same formation, team? What's your overall prediction for the score as well, mate? I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to throw you another stat in there. Oh, go on. What you at last weekend? It said this was the best start to a season since Brian Little's season in charge in 1998-99, and we won the first seven games of the season that year. Yeah, but the eighth game of the season, Fulham beat us one now. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> Thanks for that, mate. So, I've just depressed everybody. Hold on. Yeah, it's all right. Um, so anyway, yeah. So back onto this modern day because that was twenty. That was twenty odd years ago. No bearing at all on this Saturday. Don't worry about that, people. Off the play, off the play, weren't even born when that game was played. <laughs> yes, I think this. I think nail on the head. This will be the toughest game we will play this season, and it will be if we can compete in this game, regardless of the result, if we can go toe-to-toe with them, as I'm sure we will, because that's the way we're playing, you know, we aren't we're we're we aren't passive anymore. We're on the front foot, whether that's on with the ball, without the ball. You know, we're we're going forward quickly and fluidly. And we're also 
when we haven't got the ball, we're pressing. And that starts at the front with Brown, Surridge, Fletcher, whoever's chosen. They are pressing hard. The foot, the wing backs are pushing and pressing hard. You, you, you two uh, advanced midfielders are pushing. And if we play like that on Saturday and we stay true to the values and the and the way we've been playing, and we can compete, then that bears. Even if we lose the game, it bears well for the season. If we can go toe to toe with Fulham playing like that, and come out with it, you know. Whether we could hold our heads up and say, yeah, yeah, we were in that game, and we give them a you know tough game, because I think that if that will be the task then, and and we'll be, you know, if we can pass that test, we'll be up there at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, nail on the head, mate. Absolutely. I mean, whether we'll be number two is another thing, but I, I like literally right now, I think Fulham are almost certain to go back up. I'll if they mess that up with the team that they've got. This isn't just a team coming down and. A fluff in it like Sheffield United are. You know, the, the, these are a team with Mitrovic. You know, again, goal machine. Um, they're, they're just they're just strong. You know, top to bottom, they're just strong. So um, I, Mitrovic versus Suter. What a battle that could be. Uh, yeah, well, we'll certainly see the results of that, mate. Um, I'm sure. And I think again, he's, he's a top class dragger. He'll get 20 goals this season without probably breaking a sweat. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see what it is, mate. He didn't score against us last time we played them anyway. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see how it how it kind of um, how it kind of pans out, mate. But I mean, me for me, I, mean, I assume you're going to go for probably the same type of team. Uh, I would expect you're not going to make too many changes. Obviously, Powell is going to be out now for a few weeks. Uh, no big shock there, um, to be honest. But are you making any dramatic kind of team changes? I'm not making, I'm not making a single change. I, th- I don't think O'Neill will either. I think that's the reason we had 11 changes um, in midweek, so that you could keep all 11 players fresh for Saturday. I think we keep the same. We keep the same 11. We keep the same style. And we go, and they go again, and they and they just just see just see how how you play, how it comes out, what the end result is, how effective we are playing against the top level championship side, and then you know, and then obviously we got whatever happens, we've got two weeks then, or the manager and two got two weeks to mull over, you know, the the uh, the match and how it's gone, and put us in place for the next block of games. But yes, I keep the eleven exactly how it is, and if we need to, we can send for the SAS, can't we? Surridge and Sawyers. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. And I think it, it's going to it's going to be good. I think personally, see, I'd start I'd start Surridge. Um, I know he's played in the week for for a bit, but I'd still start Surridge over Fletch right now personally. Again, it, it was only it was an easy enough finish. I said no, actually no, it wasn't an easy enough finish against Doncaster. Um, he still had to swivel and, and you know finish well. I'd still play him over Fletch at the minute. Uh, but again, nice problem to have, mate. I mean, either of them can come in and do a job. I think so. Yeah, it's like I say, mate. It, it's one of them. Um, we can't go wrong, and I know that we've we've had uh, a friend as well, kind of come in from, uh, of course, Fulham. So I said that we'd have some Fulham um, audio as well. So uh, Tom uh, from the uh, Fulham uh, Supporters Trust uh, has basically sent us over some audio with was what he thinks, um, and it's most it's quite it's quite on the kind of same lines as us. So uh, we'll we'll definitely have a quick listen and, and see what he had to say. Well, the start of this season has been something of a revelation for Fulham fans. Uh, earlier in the summer, we had a protracted 
period about whether Scott Parker would carry on as manager. Maybe a bit of a sense that there was a divide in the squad um, and not all that optimistic about carrying on our tradition of yo-yoing up and down between the two divisions. But actually, since Marco Silva's come in, it's been something a revelation. The same players largely playing so much better, fast attacking football. Uh, we're exciting to watch again so far this season, but it's early days. We've not played anyone great yet, I don't think. Um, there are some good people have had some good starts, including Stoke. And I think this weekend will be a very real test for both teams, actually, uh, to how serious their uh, promotion credentials are. So. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm anticipating it. I think it'll be a really good game. Uh, I think from having seen what I have of both teams so far this season, the quality is definitely there. Uh, and I think actually the result will probably be a draw. And it'll be a draw that neither side will be delighted with, but neither will be unhappy with either. Love it. Yeah. Cheers, Tom. Thank you for that. So Tom from the Fulham Supporters Trust, much appreciated. Uh, yeah. Again, I think we'd all pretty much echo is that they're very much a, a mutual respect kind of going on there. I mean, again, Marco Silva, like you say, has, has got him playing really well. And um, I mean, it shows that, you know, we didn't go unnoticed for very long, Dan. Um, <laughs> no. I mean, I know even if you just look at the league, you'd say that, you know, it's been spotted. But I think everyone... Goals like the Notts Forest one are getting as um, noticed again. Uh, Quest are noticed are, are talking about us again. And um, yeah, so we managed to get past three or four games. But I suppose if you've been, you've been spoken about, you're obviously doing well. So we probably wouldn't have it any other way if we were to be honest. But yeah, Tom, you've gone for 1-1. To be honest, mate, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't know. I've been, a, I don't know. I think that's the cynical Stoke fan in me says we're going to lose. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one one. Uh Dan, I don't think you've actually given me your score prediction, mate. What what were you what are you going for score wise? I, I again I'm also going one one. I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a tight game. I think they've got more chance of winning than we have, unfortunately. But I do think we'll I think we'll get a point. I think we will get a point. I like to think positive. We'll get a point. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think I think we'll definitely gain something out of the game. And I mean, again, I mentioned this last week about our our fixtures after Fulham. But for anyone who didn't kind of catch it, let let me just remind you of of how many points we're going to have at Christmas, which is going to be huge. So um, <laughs> for those of us, yeah. So we basically after Fulham, uh, we've got Huddersfield and Barnsley at home. We should win both of them games. Let's be honest. Um, and then we're away to Derby. Derby seem to have picked up a little bit in terms of you know scoring a couple of goals. Yeah, and stuff, Rooney but... seems to have. For what he's working with, though, to be fair, he's he seems to be doing wonders there at the minute. Really, really, really the start of this season, uh, considering the shambles that they were you know, leading up to the season, and it's the shambles they could probably continue to be off the field. Definitely, he's doing a remarkable job there. So, well, <laughs> not going to be an easy game. I still think we beat him. I think the, the problem that Derby have got, and we're not going to go on about this because it's not, it's not a Derby podcast. But um, I think the longer the season is for them, the worse it's going to get. That they're not going to have the players and, to, and fitness levels and stuff to hang out. So yeah, let's 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 say we get a point at Derby. Um, then we're at home to Hull and away to Preston just to finish off September. I mean, if you look at those fixtures, um, even let's just say you didn't get anything at Fulham, you've still for me, I've still got eleven to thirteen points out of them games. I'm going to be really positive. I think so. We're just we're just giving them. Should we just give Mark O'Neill the manager of the month award now for September? Well, I'll tell you what, if, if we beat Fulham, um, if we, we beat, beat Fulham, he'll get it for August. He'll definitely get it for August. There's no <laughs> one who could ever argue because he's won, he won in every competition then. Um, and then September, I mean, again, mate, 
if we can get into a tricky October, because off the top of my head, I think it's like West Brom, I think Sheffield United, and then Bournemouth, I think, on the next three or something in whatever order. So tricky games. Um, and, and want to be very stoked to you know lose to Preston, lose to Derby, and then go and beat Bournemouth and West Brom uh, in, in October. That would be very, very Stoke City. So uh, either way, mate, I mean, again, for me, 10 points, absolute minimum uh, from those games. And uh, that will literally set us off very, very nicely um, into those more winter periods. No doubt we'll get some snow. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, either way, <laughs> mate, um, we've got some got some good chance before uh, the summer leaves us. Um, so, yeah, um, again, we're looking forward to Fulham. Uh, it's going to be a very, very big test. Um, and before I kind of go into the bit I really look forward to, mate, which is the quiz, have you got any more observations you want to make uh, about Fulham? Uh, no, just to say, don't get too downhearted, um, Stoke fans. If, if the result doesn't go our way, we've got a young, we have got a young side, very young squad. They're learning sort of on the job. A lot of them, aren't they? Look at the amount of games that somebody like Joe Bursic played in his career. Um, yeah, he, look how experienced he is now, and think how how much experience he's going to have by the end of the campaign. They're going to be different players. He's going to be a different player then. He'll have doubled the amount of games he's played in his career probably by the end of the season. So that's where we're at. And I think sometimes you've just got to remember that. So all being well, we'll have a fantastic performance on Saturday. We'll play really well and we'll win the game <laughs> You know, in an ideal world. If things don't go to plan, let's not have an overreaction. Let's just take stock. It's been a fantastic start regardless and you know we we've got a couple of weeks for the management have to you know look at whatever happens on Saturday and get us ready for those those big winnable games that we've got coming up. And I'm sure they'll yeah. have us, you know, fighting fit and ready to go. Absolutely, mate. Couldn't agree more. Um and when we're talking obviously about uh, the quiz. So if anybody um wants to actually get involved in the in the quiz, then feel free just to pause it here, grab a pen and paper. There's gonna be ten questions um every week. I'll have to challenge Dan. I did uh, I did kind of wimp out of this, by the way. Uh, don't listen back to the the first podcast where there was a quiz. Uh, I just 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 you know, peace of mind. I got ten out of ten. Um, so I thought, well, I don't really want um any competition. So I just thought I'll, I'll quiz um Dan. I, you 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 remember giving me ten out of ten, don't you, Dan? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, just, the answer. Just, yeah. Just just felt my head that bit. I was sorry. Has uh, <laughs> it? Oh, don't worry, mate. Yeah. I got ten. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like I say it's all quiz Dan now instead of quiz Mike. So, I anyway, mean, to um, say if we've got any, you know, we were all that interaction. If there's any listeners out there that want to be either the quiz master or sit in the hot seat and be quizzed, then just get in touch. We that can be arranged. We if you want to be on the pod, either asking questions or you know, being like I say being in the chair and those asking you, I'm sure we can we can get that on, can't we, Mike? Yeah, like you think, you mate. We'll, we'll have to do that one week, hundred percent. So cool. Uh, are you ready for your quiz questions? I am. Tony Pulis, well, I believe, this week. Tony Pulis is uh, is very much uh, what it is. The majority of it is Stoke City related for obvious reasons. Um, but I have thrown a couple in there as well, which might not necessarily be him. So, anyway, question one. Complete this Pulis quote. I've got nothing against foreign, foreign managers. They're very nice people, apart from. Oh, <laughs> I've got nothing against foreign managers. They're very nice people, apart from 
I have no idea. Do you want me to give you a, a hint? Go on. I'm trying to give you a hint without giving it away. Is, is, um, it, is it? Does he name a manager or does he? He does. Name... He names a just a manager, a Premier League manager. Awesome Wenger. Awesome Wenger. Well done. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome Wenger. I thought it's one of them. I thought it would be a nice, um, not easy, but one you could probably guess. So well done. Mate. Yeah. I, I didn't know um, what route he'd gone down. I didn't know if he named someone or if he was like. <laughs> Yeah, I vaguely remember that. I think that was around the whole, uh, it was after all the whole, you know, long throw should be banned type crap that he came out with. So, um, yeah, anyway, uh, question two. Which club was Pulis in charge of when he won the Premier League Manager of the Month in 2014? Was it Stoke, West Brom, Crystal Palace or Portsmouth? It would be Crystal Palace. Correct. He took them from 19th of November to finish in 11th. I remember that. They were brilliant after he came in. Won yeah. games they shouldn't have won. Scoring goals for fun. I swear on their first game, they won like 7-0 in the cup. And everyone was <laughs> laughing about how the Pulis won 7-0. <laughs> Very vaguely. Well, he was in charge, wasn't, wasn't he in charge when they came back from 3-0 down against Liverpool? Yeah. It basically yeah. cost them the title as well. Yeah, I, th- I think he was, mate. Yeah, again, part of him finishing 11th, but good old yeah. Good for that. Um, okay, so question <laughs> three. Who's been the most expensive Tony Pulis signing of his entire career? Ooh. Um, so, have a think, and I'll give you some options if you need them. Right, okay, so I would say his most expensive signing for Stoke would have been Pisa Crouch. Um, his entire career. Right, at Crystal Palace... He did that season where he kept them up, and then I'm sure he left before the start of the following season because that's where the, the uproar came about his bonus. But did he sign somebody in that summer for a lot of money? Did he sign Benteke, maybe? Do you want some mm. options? Go on, give me some options. Jake Livermore, Marco Anatovic, Christian <laughs> Benteke, or Nasser Chadley? Right, if if he signed Benteke, it will be Benteke, and that's what I'm going to go with. Um, incorrect. Oh. It was Nasser Chadley, 13 million he paid for him. I got him from Spurs, if I remember rightly. It's phrase was is it Spurs beforehand? It was, yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, <laughs> I, like, I'll, 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 I like the thought of Tony Pulis buying Marco on out of Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Um, question four In what year did Pulis get appointed the Stoke manager and This is first time round First time round would have been October or November 2002 Excellent, well done mate You've even got the month, it was November Yeah, November yeah. 2002 Lovely, uh, question five What year did the Icelandic sack Pulis? 2005 Excellent. June 2005, yeah. Correct. Uh, so question six. What game did Pulis famously return to Stoke having seen his mum pass away earlier on in the day? It was Aston Villa at home. What was the scoreline? Can you remember? Oh, I think were we losing at half-time. And we're losing 1-0 at one. half-time. Correct, 2-1. Two, two yeah. yeah. It was oh, Huth. Wheeling, did who score right? Like did who score right at the end? It was late on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And once um, I think was it a pen and free kick from like the halfway line that just swung really how he could, how he could just swing the the the, the crosses in and. Oh, I can't I that one, to be honest. I remember it being a bit last couple, eighty sixth, eighty seventh minute. I swear it was. But um, yeah. Well, I mate, think I, I might what, have been thinking of the Sunderland game that who scored like goal. That game when he came back at half time and the hairs went up on my, uh, uh, you know, on the back of, on my neck and my shoulder. That that was he was so. I don't know what the, the word for that is. Your mum's passed away and you still turn up at football. I mean, he was just yeah. so dedicated and so passionate and. Loved the club, um, and whether you're pro Pulis or anti Pulis, if anyone can not credit the guy for that, then yeah, I give to, up. and it's like to turn up as well, knowing that it was he missed the start of the game, so it was like uh, it, it, it's so easy at that point, isn't it, to say, you know what, yeah, just let him get on with it. If I missed the start, I'm not going to be there for the start of the game, so that's it. But yeah. he's like, no, even if I, he's like, even if he'd only got there for the last 10 minutes, he wanted to just, because that would have been 10 minutes he could have been there for. Um, and I know he came out at the start of the second half, didn't he? But I think he actually got there midway through the first half, but he sat up in the in the stands and then went yeah. down to the change room at half time. Um, and yeah, he's like I say, you can't, no matter what your thoughts on him are as, as a football manager, whatever, as a as a person in that respect, that just, you know, as a player, you, you would you would go run through brick walls for somebody who did that, wouldn't you? If so, well, that's the, that, that's the level of commitment that he's shown to me and my teammates, then, you know, you've got to have to reciprocate that back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So, no, absolutely, mate. Good, good uh, again, nailing this one. Um, this one would be interesting to see if you get this one. So, in 2013, Pulis was sacked by Stoke, but what was his final fixture and what was the score? You may remember this, mate. Think back. I'll put this one back in again. We had this one last time, didn't we? we Southampton. Did, Southampton away, 1-1. Well done. Yeah, correct. Yes. I thought I'd put yes, that one back in, just see if you were paying attention. Um <laughs> Lovely, so you have to get your maths out now for these next three. Okay, not maths, but yeah, you'll see what I mean. Uh, okay, question eight. How many games did Tony Pulis win while Stoke manager? Oh, win. Mm. Right, so let me let me work this one out. Not the one. <laughs> so are we both spells? In... Yeah, I, I think it basically, I'll give you a slight help in a way. So he basically played, it's 340-odd, I think, he actually managed for us. The most yeah. games he'd ever managed as a manager, yeah. Right, so he's 340 games he's Rough. been there. And I think, yeah, probably looking, because we, we had two seasons where we were top end of the championship, then we, the rest of it, we were mid-table. Mid-table side, you're probably looking about a third, just over a third. So I'm going to say a hundred and. 28. Oh, I mean, I'm going to give you that. That's a great guess. 122. Oh, I think it was like a 36% win ratio we had. Um, mate, great, great guess. Uh, great guess, rather. 122. Um, so well done. Question nine How many clubs has Pulis managed in his, in his actual career to date? Uh, right. So if we run through Bristol City, I haven't got Port- him in front of me. But Bristol one. City, Portsmouth. Stoke, Crystal Palace, 
Point West nine. Brom. Uh, Middlesbrough. How many is that? Six. Six. I think there's probably going to... I think Bristol Rovers was a player. I don't think he managed them, though, did he? I think he just... No. No. Um, have to time you on this yeah, one, mate. Yeah, I think that, I'm going to go with six. I can't think of any more. <laughs> Eleven. Eleven? Eleven. <laughs> I think, obviously, Pompey, Bournemouth. Um, the Bournemouth, I think, one of his first ones, Bournemouth was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, God, there's a few others coming off the top of my head. But, yeah, 11, apparently. Um, and question oh. 10. Uh, so, how many accolades has TP won during his management career? Now, that can include manager of the month, manager of the season, etc. All right. Okay. So, he got manager of the month at Crystal Palace, as we've already said. I think he probably got manager of the month a couple of times with us. Um, I'm going to say he got it three times at Stoke. Twice in the championship, once in the Premier League. That's just a guess. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say nine. Oh, mate, nowhere near. Oh, go on. Four. 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 He was nominated a couple of times at, at Stoke Manager, but obviously never got them because, well, we never got, never got Manager of the Month. Um, so he got Premier League Manager of the Month in April 2014 and February 2015. Um, I can't remember which games they, they are, to be honest with you, uh, from there. But uh, Premier League Manager of the Season, he got it, 2013 to 2014, apparently. Uh, and then he got Third Division Manager of the Season, which is a long... I, I never expected you to get that one, to be honest, mate. Uh, that was 95-96. So, uh, apparently, he got four in his entire career, which is crazy. Well, and, and speaking of... Oh, sorry, he obviously what? deserved more. <laughs> he did. Yeah, no, he did, mate. We, we just weren't fashionable, were we? But uh, just before we kind of leave the Pulis and, and wrap this up, um, what's Pulis doing? I've heard nothing. I've heard no teams linked. He's not been on Sky Sports. Has he just maybe packed in? Mm, possibly. Possibly he's now that maybe he's in Sandbanks with Harry, playing golf and chilling. He certainly doesn't need to. He doesn't need the money. Let's be honest, does he? So um... no. Well, maybe I like say maybe he's just like you say. Maybe he's just had enough and he's waiting. For, the the call hasn't come, and I don't think Middlesbrough worked out too well. I suppose you know for for somebody whose whose roots are in Bournemouth. Sheffield maybe Wednesday. that's yeah. Maybe after that, you know, Bournemouth Middlesbrough kind of. I imagine he spent a lot of time away from away from home, and that there is. Is maybe just deciding to give back a bit more, bit to the family, and that. Yeah, well, we'll see around Christmas, New Year, mate, when somebody needs a manager. Whether he, there'll uh, be somebody making a, a nice, up. lucrative offer, no doubt. Yes, <laughs> three million quid to keep him up. So uh, we'll we'll soon see. But money well uh, spent. That kind of does it for this week. Uh, so yeah, honestly, everyone, thanks again for for tuning in. Um, do the same old, same old. You know, share with the friends. Make sure you follow us again on Twitter. Uh, just as a reminder, every single week, seven a.m. Friday. Um, you know, again, please do tune in. I know that um, you, know, you might want to listen on the way to, to the match on a Saturday. Uh, you may even want to lie in the bath, um, thinking about me and Dan as you're lying in the bath, uh, listening to it on a, on a Friday night. Maybe you know your weekly bath. Uh, you never know. So um, <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat. But yeah, either way, thanks everybody for for tuning in. Um, Dan, any final thoughts from you, mate? Uh, stay positive, people, and go on Stoke. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's go for three points. See you soon.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.